You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Happy Friday, everybody. Getting you ready for this week seven action. Already one game in the books. Reviewing the Cleveland Browns win over the Denver Broncos from Thursday night. At BD Peacock on Twitter, at Williamson NFL on Twitter. Feel free to get your questions ready for us throughout the weekend as you're watching football for next week's podcasts. This episode of the Peacock and Williamson NFL show is brought to you by McDonald's. Proudly serving communities since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. McDonald's, I'm loving it. We nailed it, Matt. The Cleveland Browns, low scoring, take the under. Cleveland Browns favored by one point. They won by a field goal here, and it did get close late. The Denver Broncos did not go away, 17-14. The big story here, though, was Dearness Johnson, 22 carries, 146 yards, a touchdown, uh, a couple of catches as well, and running hard in the fourth quarter to solidify that victory, right? It's a great story. I totally enjoyed watching him run. Oh, without question, and... He is the story of the of the game, without a doubt. Um, two sort of desperate teams in a really tough situation on a really short week. A little bit of weather, a lot of injuries mixed in here, even ones that happened in-game like Von Miller. And Johnson sort of stole the show. And I, I think it's easy to dismiss it of anybody could run behind that line. And I want to get to that. But he ran hard, like his job was on the line. And got a lot of yards after contact, you know, drag tacklers, really wore this team down. And I do think the Browns, especially their interior offensive line, is exceptional. And they, you know, they throw that fullback at you, end up catching a touchdown, Stanton, you know. So they, they attack you in different ways. A lot of tight ends on the field, all three of those guys being used. So heavy personnel. And Denver's defensive front has been problematic now for a while. And uh, some of it's not their own fault. Chubb's out. Miller left this game. The second-level linebackers have been crushed by injuries. So they're really depleted and in a tough spot right now. I always say it, and, and I've got to mention it here. I don't know how much more evidence we need. And look, running backs don't matter is kind of oversimplifying things, but that's the way I always put it, and that's the way it's said a lot. Yeah. I think the better way to put it is running backs – get hurt a lot and they're easy to find and and that's sort of the idea behind it and yeah. like you lose Nick Chubb and then you lose uh Hunt both really good players you think oh you can't overcome that you can overcome it because you got an undrafted guy who's just fine and Dearness Johnson proved it and hundreds of running backs have proved it every year half the league proves it that's why you don't put major resources into the running back position because there are the Dearness Johnsons of the world. If you have a really, it's not that run games don't matter; they still matter in this day and age. Oh, sure. But give me five offensive linemen before I'm even caring who my running back is. No, I, I get that, and I'm mostly on board with it. I mean, you and I haven't butted heads, but we see this a little differently. But boy, this is a great example in your favor, and you know Johnson. He ran like a 4-8 in his pro day, or he probably would have got drafted. His tape's good, you know, but there's so many of them. Running a 4-8 is enough for you not to get picked. You know, if you're a tackle that didn't tackle, you know, didn't uh, work out well, you still get drafted. You know, I mean, I'm sure 
Nick Chubb, not taking anything away from Johnson, but Chubb or Hunt probably run for 200 in this game. You know, Chubb breaks a long one where Johnson doesn't. And maybe that would have been the difference if it's all said and done. But you're right. I mean, it's hard to argue that point after watching this game. Um, and frankly, just think about it. If you walk around the mall or the movie theater or a concert or some big gathering, there's more people that look like running backs than there are tight ends or linemen. You know, there's just more body types like that in the world. Right. Yeah. It's similar to, say, safeties on the defensive side of the ball. They're medium-sized, yeah, yeah. medium-speed, right? They're not freaks of nature. With you, you don't need a guy who runs four two five. You know, you don't need those freak of nature corners who are quick twitch. They have to cover those freak of nature wide receivers on the other side. You don't need the unicorn two hundred and seventy-pound long athletic edge rushers or 350 pound defensive tackles that can move those are all body types that are harder to find than in safety and growing up the best kids always playing running back and there's always going to be a huge supply of running backs and it's just an easier body type and an easier type of player to find yeah it is i mean that's undeniable i mean and the attrition uh, level. Were, I mean, they just get hurt so much too. Like you, it's not that you don't want to have a good running back. It's just that you're going to get Christian McCaffrey or uh, chubbed or, or yeah. hunted or uh, girlied eventually with your superstar expensive running back. Not even to mention. I mean, how about Acres or Dobbins that didn't even get a snap this yeah. year? <laughs> I mean, the guys that got hurt long ago that we've forgotten about this season. I mean, there's a lot, and it's like that every year. Last year was the same way. And I know a lot of people listening have not had this advantage or, you know, been lucky enough to do this. But if you're on the sidelines, I mean, field level on the field for an NFL game and you see the collisions these running backs take, you know, 20 feet away from you, kind of 30 yards away from you. And you go, wow, he does that 20 times a game. I can't believe he stayed healthy as long as he did. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's and and they have a. You you want your running back to get that running start too, right? You've got to be decisive yeah. and hit the hole full speed. And they might not be able to see everybody who's coming lurking behind those three hundred pounders on the other side. So these are high speed collisions too with amazing athletes. They get up to top speed quickly. What do you think of Keenum? I mean, I thought he was just enough to be honest. Um, Landry and Beckham were out there clearly playing hurt. Yeah. But I thought the stat sheet kind of told us a little something here too, though. I mean, they had nine receivers with at least two targets and, and then the one that didn't have two was Stanton, the fullback, and that was their only touchdown. So right. <laughs> they, they, threw, they threw 14 to Landry and Beckham, even though they were kind of shells of themselves, but they have other guys than the Jokus and Hoopers and those type of dudes to, to help in a game like this. Yeah. Well. They had enough players to, to utilize as targets. They clearly tried to get, you know, guys like Demetric Felton the ball in the passing games yeah, and some screens yeah. and some things like that. And Beckham was not 100%. Landry wasn't 100%. Those things were clear. But I thought Case Keenum did a good job. He game managed mm-hmm. it, didn't turn the ball over. He's a professional backup quarterback, right? He's exactly who you need when your starter goes down. You have a guy who knows the system can come in and not lose the game for you and allow your running game and allow your defense to go win it for you. Yeah, and... I worry about Denver. I worry about Fangio. Bridgewater, also not 100%, but Moore's being asked of him. He doesn't have the same Browns-like line. Benton has mentioned Denver's defense is sort of crumbling. They're three and four in a brutal division. Like, I can see this not going so great. And I just pulled up their, their upcoming schedule. 
I mean, three of their next five games are against the Cowboys, Chargers, and Chiefs. Like, oh, boy. It does not look good for the Broncos. Um, I mean, it's it's pretty clear when you see Bridgewater versus Keenum. You've got one team's starter versus the other team's backup, and you you don't have an advantage at quarterback. Right, right. right. It's a great way of putting it. And that's my best guy, and I don't have an advantage against their worst guy. Yeah, and Fangio is, is quickly rising. I mean, this is four straight losses for the Broncos. Fangio probably mm-hmm. quickly rising to the ranks of maybe uh, someone who's going to get fired at some point this season or certainly after the season. Uh, there's obviously he might a change. might just be a coming. defensive coordinator. Right, yeah. And, and and look, first on my list, too, if he gets fired. like, And he might not get another head coach opportunity, which is that's perfect, right? You, you tie yourself if you're a head coach. You don't want to lose that defensive coordinator in a year or two if he's really good. I don't know if he's going to get another head coaching job. So you can have your long-term, really, really good defensive coordinator in Vic Fangio who can probably hire an awesome staff behind him, too. On that side of the ball, I mean, uh, that would be a, a really quick hire for me on day one of the offseason if he does get fired. That's really well said. Not to mention, he has head coach experience, too. You can kind of go with him with yes. some head coaching things. You know, like, he would be a great guy to add to any staff, you know. Especially if you had a right. young, like, young, like, if someone like Joe Brady gets a head yeah, coaching yeah, job yeah. or Brian Dable. You know, someone who's who's a young, coach, offensive, right? first-time head coach. Right, we'll talk about it next week, but I can't imagine Baker Mayfield's playing soon, by the way. I mean, did you see the Jay Glazer report? He's got a broken bone that needs to heal. Then he can start rehabbing his muscle and... I mean, that doesn't sound like something that's happening soon. It's so hard because they have aspirations, and I think Keenum yeah. could take them a little ways, and and maybe the drop from banged up, hurt Baker Mayfield isn't that far from professional backup quarterback Case Keenum. You know, they they no, could probably still win a lot of games, and more importantly, and you start to have to look at the timetable. A torn labrum, how long does that take? Is that a nine month recovery? Because now you're talking training camp. You kind of got to put Baker Mayfield under the knife now because if you wait until January or February and maybe he doesn't even play that well, uh, now the next season's in jeopardy, and you've got to get him healthy, and I'm sure he wants to be healthy for his fifth-year option year. Then you can really have a clear picture of what you want to pay him next offseason instead of this coming offseason. How they all handle that situation to me is very, very fascinating because the big picture and trying to play now, he wasn't playing well before the injury. Then he got injured and played through it and was playing worse. You know, so And if he plays if he tries to gut it out for the year you can't tell me that it won't have effects for the whole year too i'm trying to find what uh a torn labrum i think it's just a rest thing that he and if he doesn't rest it i think it's just going to be you know you can you, you can easily tear it further from what i understand you know like it has a tear in it and that needs to heal but one shot on the arm and it tears further. You know, like it's a rest thing. It's so like football's not good for torn labrums. It's looking like rest wise, it's four to six weeks. So that's mm-hmm. most of the rest of the season. You know, four to the, four to six weeks is a lot of the season. If just rest, if you really want them to try to come back and and see if that helps. Um, and it's looking I think like I shut them down though. Now that I think about it, I mean, you already got a what a one week in the book, so it's three to five. I think they can you try got it that now. win. They could try it because it's looking like only about a four-month recovery post-surgery. And it's not his throwing arm either, right? So that right, helps. Right, right. So yeah, it's a whole they can wait, I guess, timing-wise. They can wait and have surgery after the season. So I guess it's not something that they go. They, he needs to go under the knife right now and get that surgery or else he can't be ready for training camp next year or something like that. So they, I guess they do have time to wait and, and at least see if it helps to rest that. And it's not his throwing arm. So maybe that's it. Put him on IR for three weeks. Let Keenum... 
move you along and have hundred closer to 100% Baker down the stretch. That's what I would do. And now that I pull up their schedule, they now have a winning record. They got a nice long week to prepare for the Steelers, who are also coming off a bye. They get them on Halloween. They'll be favored in that game. Go to the Bengals. Okay. Go to New England. Okay. Maybe they split them or win them both. Then they have the Lions. Then Mayfield should be back for back-to-back games against the Ravens with a bye in between. Or maybe you wait till that bye and he plays the second game against the Ravens. Oh, wow. I would not rush him back. I think I think that's got to be the plan. Yeah, yeah. And and I maybe they needed to see it. Maybe Case Keenum. Now the locker room's like, okay, yeah, we can win. We can get we can win games with this guy. And the and the defense has already been the thing that's running the show anyway. And you run the ball no, fine with Dearness Johnson. Uh, I think Chubb's coming, Chubb's coming back soon, right? Yeah, I mean, just, if you lose that game, I might not have taken that tack. Like, oh no, now we're three and four, and it's we're in big trouble. But you got that win. Uh, the schedule sets up pretty well. I think I'd shut him down to the bye and run the ball like crazy and see what happens. I think we got to figure it out, Matt. We'll see how we the do. Cleveland Browns attack this thing. Easy peasy. Let's take a look at the late afternoon games, Sunday night football, Monday night football. Make some picks for week seven next. Bet Online is back and better than ever. A new web interface to start the basketball season. More props, odds, and lines than ever before and of course bet online remains your number one spot for all of the football action this weekend and this entire season along with the nba and nhl starting up and you still got baseball playoffs going on college football get involved in all of it and head over to bet online's new updated desktop or mobile websites to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use promo code locked on to receive your bonus Not only football, basketball, baseball, hockey, there's boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. So don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers, news, sports, at BetOnline, available for the 2021 season. Promo code locked on to receive that welcome bonus. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. BetOnline, where the game starts. I don't know if you have it written down if you have a speech for your apology matt for the raiders fans after uh after bad mouthing them all at the beginning of the year when they were winning (laughs) a bunch of games then uh saying they were left for dead after losing their head coach no they were victorious last week they're at home four and two and favored by three points against the philadelphia eagles who were traveling to las vegas what do you say now about those las vegas raiders matt oh give me the raiders i'll lay the three um, I think it's interesting because both these defenses are very zone, very zone oriented. Take away the big play. You know, the Raiders play that Seattle, you know, three high shell where Philly plays a lot of, you know, the double safeties deep, you know, two high safeties. And which quarterback, which system is going to be the more patient, take what you give run the football to Jacobs or Miles Sanders. That's, of course, the Raiders. I mean, the Eagles don't even hand the ball off the running backs for whatever reason, which is bonkers. And <laughs> is Hurts going to nickel and dime you to death? Probably not. I think that interior of the Eagles' D-line could be a real problem, but I also think the Raiders' edge pass rush could be a problem. In the black hole, the new black hole, I'll, I'll gladly give you three. I don't know if it's one of those one-game bumps. You see that a lot where in, uh, it, usually it's late season when a coach gets fired and then the interim coach comes in and the team rallies. They win one game, but then they lose out the rest of the year. 
I wonder if there was that artificial bump yeah. that first week with the Raiders, and we'll see how it goes the rest of the year. But um, the way the Eagles are playing, I don't know if it matters. And, and I've liked what I've seen from the Raiders. I love the resolve they showed last week. Um, you know, you got big plays. You got Derek Carr playing at a high level. You got Ruggs uh, breaking out and just making big plays left and right. And uh, right now, the, there's nothing on the Eagles' side that tells me they're going to come into Las Vegas and just go beat the Raiders anyway. So, you know, yeah, who cares yeah. who the head coach is? Right now, the Raiders just have a better football team. And, and three points is something I'll gladly give up here for the home team and those Las Vegas Raiders. Yeah, I kind of think that's an easy one. How about this? It gets a little bit more difficult with some of the spreads we've got here in the oh, afternoon. Man. How about this? And this isn't even the biggest spread, but the Rams at home are favored by 16 at 5-1 and one against the winless Detroit Lions. 16 points, a couple touchdowns, um, and a field goal is what you're going to need here to win this. I mean, it's hard to. it's still hard to take the Lions on the road, even with a big spread like that. The Stafford-Goff revenge game. Oh, I didn't even think about that angle. Why did I not notice that first when I saw these two teams? I never even put that together. I'm stupid. The Lions are in a bad spot, though. I mean, they have a lot of injuries. Their defense is terrible. Uh, I'll take 16 points, though. I mean, 16 points. I mean, I, I just pictured DeAndre Swift falling in the end zone with 43 seconds on the clock to bring it within 15. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's a big number. Ugh, I don't know. I, I can't. I mean, I don't expect it to be a competitive game. <laughs> right. Lions defense is in a nightmare situation right now, too. We're going to have just, this dilemma with a couple of these games. Yeah, these double-digit spreads are I'm, hard to deal with. I'm kind of crunching some numbers here. Okay. Thinking about what the the game script could be here. I mean, I feel like... And what's funny is I feel like Goff isn't even the type that's going to really get juiced up. And he doesn't really have the weapons to go like, <laughs> yeah. oh, revenge game. Goff comes home and torches the Rams. I almost yeah. feel like it's the opposite where uh, Goff would be like, oh, it's not really a big deal, whatever. you know. And then it's – and he just got called out by his head coach. Maybe there is going to be a lot of motivation this week. His head coach called him out to the media last week. He's going back to play the team that drafted him and, and just sent him packing. Oh gosh, can Goff do that? Is Goff that guy? I just it would be fun to see him get fiery and just go out there and and you know throw fists in the air and get the Lions their first win and go beat his his former team. First that... win. I mean, I'm I'm thinking can he get six, but <laughs> can they keep it within 16 <laughs> points? Let's go for it. Let, why not? Yeah, let's give up. Let, let's take the points. And, and uh, so the, the Lions and the Lions have played close enough games to where it's not insane to think they'll keep it within, you know. A couple touchdowns here. Yeah. I mean, so the over-under is, what, 50 and a half. This math is too hard for me over the top of my head. So what's the projected totals? I mean, it's hard to get over 50 and win by 16. And not that 50 is a small number. But right. I mean, if the Lions get to 10, you know, <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll take the Lions. That's a lot of, that's a lot of points. Yeah, when you see these lines, it's essentially like what we saw a couple weeks ago, and it was the Texans and Bills, where it was you know sixteen points, I think it was, or seventeen points, and it was you know thirty to three, or I don't remember what the final score was, forty to three, maybe it was just a huge blowout. Basically, they would just have to stone the the Lions' offense on top of scoring. You know, that's sort of that sixteen point line. It's just a complete one sided route. Um, let's go to that Texans team who is now. <laughs> oh boy! Uh, on the road at the Cardinals, seventeen and a half in this one, and I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> the most we've seen this year. I think that 
Bills-Texans game was 17. This one's 17 and a half, and the Bills covered it easy. Are the Cardinals going to cover it that easy against the Texans? We just took the points with the Lions. You going to take the points with the Texans, too, on the road? Yeah. I mean, really, our podcast listeners should just rewind two minutes, and it's just the exact same conversation. You know, 17 and a half is just too many. They're not going to be competitive. But I actually think Detroit's offense is more talented. I mean, Swift and Hawkinson are guys the Texans would kill to have. Here's something, Tyler's though. fighting a little something. Maybe he sits a fourth quarter. I mean, I'm reaching here. The the revenge angle for Goff, maybe. I just right, feel like right, there's right. maybe some, the, the Stafford-Goff thing, maybe that's enough to shake it up and just where it, it becomes a little bit different of a, of a game versus what just, you know, business, it's not even a business trip, it's a business home game for the Cardinals against the Houston Texans, unless they, you know, they're feeling themselves and they overlook the Texans or something like that. But the Texans in their last four games, here's what they've scored. They've lost five straight. In the last four, they've scored nine points, zero points. It was 40 to nothing, by the way, against the Bills in week four. They scored nine points, zero points, 22 points against the Pats, and then three points. So they didn't even get to 10 in three of those four games. I'm taking the Cardinals. (laughs) I am too. And, and, I mean, and the Lions at least have some weapons. You know, like Swift isn't going to leave the field much, and he'll make plays. And Hawkinson, those young receivers, Texans don't have anybody. I, I mean, I think their offense is legitimately junk, junk, junk. Just, I mean, I, I, they. I don't know if they get to ten points here. So yeah, it's pretty bad. Do I, how about this? The money line. If you want to bet on Arizona, is minus. One six two zero. That's the biggest one I've ever seen. So you have to bet a thousand dollars to win a hundred. Is that what it is? Right. I'm actually going to put a ten dollar bet down just to see what it goes here. Um, one dollar wins you six cents. Holy smokes! Uh, yeah, I've never seen anybody lie like that. That's craziness. Uh, what's what's the other side? The Texans. Uh, they are plus nine thirty. So if I put a buck, oh, actually it went up to nine forty as I put that bet down. Um, why isn't it telling me here? Oh, because I have to get rid of this Cardinals bet. Okay, here we go. So a dollar wins me nine dollars and forty cents. Yeah, yeah, that part's easy. All right, there you go. Yeah. The other one is a dollar wins me six cents. I'm not, I'm gonna pass on that. Yeah, give me the Cardinals. I, I it's a lot of points, but That's, yeah, I just can't. I can't. I don't know. Seventeen. Half. I'm not actually gonna. I would never put my money down on either one of these unless I thought that team was gonna upset. Like you know, maybe maybe you put some money down on the Lions. I would take the Lions over the Texans. I feel like I would too. Even though the, the Texans card. have actually won a game, the Lions haven't. Yeah. Ooh. All right, let's move along. We've got Bears, yeah, Bucks. Yeah, let's talk about real games. Yeah. We've got 49ers, Colts on Sunday night, and we've got Saints, Seahawks on Monday night football next. This episode brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities. Since 1965, McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come reconnect, a place where classmates meet up, study groups, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of 
French fries and McFlurries. And to be honest, when I think of McDonald's, the breakfast, right? The breakfast is my favorite part of McDonald's. Back in the day, it was all about fries and nuggets. But the McMuffin, McGriddle, always crowd pleasers. By the way, a tip from the Locked On DMs. Apparently, the way to go, you order a quarter pounder, but order it done like a Big Mac. I don't even know if that's legal, but it was suggested. So give it a shot. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or away team can come recharge. The place you always look forward to stopping on a long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. So head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. Did somebody say podcast watch party? Yeah, you can check out this very podcast on that Wi-Fi at your local McDonald's. I'm loving it. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried a Built Bar by now, you are missing out. They say it's a protein bar, but it does not taste like one. You have to try one of these amazing bars for yourself to believe it. Most protein bars are chalky or waxy or really just hard to eat and and choke down. A Built Bar is soft, covered in 100% real chocolate, which can't go unnoticed. And when you bite into it, you know you're eating something different. It's more of an experience and one that you will enjoy. In fact, you'd swear you're eating a candy bar. Built Bars are high in protein. They are low in calorie, low fat, low sugar, low carb. At work, wherever you are, a Built Bar, throw it right in your bag, right in your pocket, and you are ready to go with a fantastic snack that is good for you and a ton of fantastic flavors. They've got puffy, marshmallowy ones and some with some crunch involved. I love the peanut butter, mint brownie, cherry barcia, double chocolate. Go to built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. Don't miss out on this offer. Getting 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. This line pales in comparison at only 12 and a half points with the Buccaneers at home at five and one taking on the three and three Chicago Bears. And um, there's a reason this line is big, but the Bears are three and three. I feel like there's an offensive awakening coming when that young quarterback could potentially do some damage against a Bucks team that's just so banged up with their cover guys. Maybe this is a, you know, one of those where you take the over, a lot of points scored on both sides. The Bears defense is okay too. So, I mean, I think 12 and a half points might be a little little much. I might want to go with the Bears on this one. Take those yeah, points. Yeah, me too. I mean, I know this is exactly how betting works, but if Tampa's in the same tier as Arizona and the Rams, which mm-hmm. I think we all think they are. Yeah. The Bears are not in the same tier as the Lions and the Texans. And yes. I understand it's a couple more points, but 12 and a half, so pretty disrespectful to the Bears. I think their defense at least keeps it close, or Brady sits out the last two series and the Bears run the ball on them. I did see a little nugget that gives me a little hesitation, though, and this goes back to his Ohio State days. Fields does not handle the blitz well. I mean, that's just the biggest thing he might need to work on right now. Mm-hmm. And the the blitz happiest team in the league. You know, like, eh, Todd Bowles will probably light him up. Yeah, it, it's an all-or-nothing approach, too, because if he has time, maybe he could make some of those big throws, which he's capable of doing, but you want to get to him first, and, and you want to mm-hmm. create big plays in the opposite direction. So uh, it'll be a fun matchup, and I think there's potential for the Bears to score a few points on those Buccaneers, even though you know the offense hasn't really... And look, their offensive line's bad, too, so the more I talk about it, oh, I'm going to yeah. start talking myself in the other direction. But uh, yeah, yeah, give me those points. I'll take the points on this one the Bears, and you know, obviously the Bucks straight up, though. I just trust the Bears' D. I think the Bears' D is legit. 
How do you feel about them, San Francisco 49ers? Here is the DeForest Buckner revenge game. That's been a lot of the talk this week. It was a huge trade in 2019 after the Super Bowl. The Niners traded Buckner, got a first-round pick back, and the Colts at 2-4, and four, the Niners at 2-3. and three. Both of these teams have lost to their good opponents and then beat up on their bad opponents. So I feel like there's a lot to yeah. be learned about both the 49ers and the Colts right now. Niners at home favored by four points. Yeah, I was going to say that as well. I, mean, I think there are some similarities to these teams. I also think it's going to be heavy run game plans for both, although the Niners receivers have an advantage over some banged-up Colts corners. Uh, it's Jimmy, right? I mean, Jimmy's definitely starting. Jimmy, and, uh, Jimmy, it'll be Jimmy over Trey for sure. The question now is, is Jimmy going to be – he's been kind of limited to in practice, and okay. maybe Nate Sudfeld ends up having to start if Jimmy maybe – takes a turn for the worst, but I think it's going to be Jimmy and probably Sudfield backing him up. And I think they're just going to keep Trey out this week. He has a sprained knee. It's pretty minor, but I think they're, you know, they're handling him delicately. Okay. Okay. Um, Here's the other thing. Let let me, let me give you this. So this is what I don't like about, about this game for the 49ers wet and windy Colts are getting very rare for your neighborhood, right? Yeah. This rain is nice for California right now. And the 49ers or the Colts, I mean, are getting Quentin Nelson back off IR, it looks like, this week. Jonathan Taylor, uh, Colts defense, DVOA is number one against the run, number 29 against the pass. Hmm. So game script in a wet, windy condition, I just really feel like that benefits the Colts with the way this is going to go, with Julian Blackman now out with a a torn Achilles in the secondary as well for the Colts. And I don't know if a a banged-up Jimmy in that 49ers offense who, you know, they would like to run the ball too. I just feel like this is going to be a low-scoring game, and the Niners aren't going to be able to take advantage of the weaknesses of the Colts' defense as well as the Colts are built to win this type of football game right now. Yeah, I would think a lot of Jonathan Taylor – Keep it close. I've been impressed with Wentz. I mean, I'm actually going to give the Colts the the quarterback advantage no matter who plays for the Niners. And I don't love the idea that it could be Sudfeld. I like San Fran to win, but I have the number four. Is that what you have too? Four, yes. I think that's perfect for me. If it was two and a half, I'd take the Niners. Yep. I think they keep it within a field goal, though. Yep, I, mean, I think it's kind of how the Colts are built to play. Right. I think it's going to be a close game. So, for me, I would probably still take the Niners straight up. I think overall they're a better football team. But whether uh, the way this game could go, DeForest Buckner revenge game, he might be in the backfield a lot, especially if he's lining up more yeah. on the left side versus the right side of that defense. Uh, so, for, give me the four points. Give me the Niners straight up. Give me the, the, the points with the Colts. Agreed. Monday night football. We've got the New Orleans Saints at three and two coming off a bye to face. Geno Smith and the Seattle Seahawks that are reeling now at two and four on the road. The Saints favored by four and a half. And usually this is, I mean, the Seahawks have not been underdogs at home, especially by more than a field goal a lot in the last 10 years. It's a tough place to play. It is, but this is one of my favorite bets of the week on the Saints. And it's a <laughs> really, I don't think that the, the Seahawks are very good. You know, studying them, watching against Pittsburgh as much as I did leading up to that game, I feel like I have a little bit better handle on them than I did. And I just think the Saints' D will cause them massive problems. I think Sean Payton getting two weeks to prepare for this road trip. Uh, guys like Kamara just kind of went, you know, mend their bones a little for a week, get that O-line back to where it needs to be. I think Winston's played pretty well. I mean, the Saints have the quarterback advantage, which they can't say too often. 
I don't think four and a half is enough. I mean, they're the type of veteran, well-led team that I think they can go to a tough environment and be okay. And the Saints needed that bye week. They're getting healthier. Yeah, they get, yeah. get a lot of guys back. I think I have to give up those points as well and, and take those Saints on the road against the Seahawks, who are, are kind of in trouble right now. Yeah, well, I think they're in a lot of trouble right now. That's week seven, Matt. Any final thoughts? Anything you're excited for this weekend? Any plans? Any special food or beverage happening in the Williamson household? I don't think so. I'm kind of happy we don't have a quadruple header for the third week in a row. I mean, that's kind of a long day as much as I love that is, and I get paid to watch football, so I can't yeah. exactly complain. Beats <laughs> <laughs> you know, digging a ditch for a living. It's a long um, day if you're trying to be locked into kickoff in London and the final snap Sunday right. night. That's difficult. Exactly. Oh, the one thing, I was hoping that there'd be Deshaun Watson news by the time we recorded today at noon. So, unfortunately, I think there's a chance Saturday or Sunday something big comes down and we don't get a chance to react to it right away. But I can't wait to see how that pans out. That's and, gonna be really interesting. I, what the you know, how who's going where, what the yeah compensation ends up being. And it sounds like Tuesday is the day or by Tuesday is is what I've heard. So Okay. We'll find out. Could happen over the weekend. Could happen probably five minutes after we stop recording. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, too. Like, <laughs> our history shows that, yeah, as soon as we hit stop on, the, on this, it'll go. Last thing, and I'm going to steal this from Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. I was listening to their podcast, which is excellent. And they threw out the notion that if a trade happens now, picks are wonderful. But, like, for example, Miami has your Niners pick. Well, I wish I knew what that was. Is that a playoff team? Is mm -hmm. that the 10th pick in the draft? You know, so maybe if a deal goes down, it's for Jalen Phillips and Jalen Waddle. You know what I mean? Or something like that. Maybe there's more players moving than we would have guessed. It, it might be difficult, and they've got to get a third team involved. And so I'm sure Miami mm -hmm. needs to know where, who is going where, and what they're getting back from, say, Washington or Denver. Maybe Denver's rethinking it now. And Denver's like, yeah, you know what? Maybe we will make that phone call now. Maybe they were waiting for Thursday night to, to get bad, Denver yeah. back involved, if they ever were. So, mm -hmm. the, yeah, there's a lot of moving parts there. Future picks, you know, conditional picks. Cat there could space. be so much involved with this thing. Yeah, so I'm, I can't wait. I'm, I'm hoping it happens soon. And we'll be here to cover it for you as we are every day. Thanks for making us your first listen. Be back Monday right here. Peacock and Williamson.